That's the greeting many people might have heard already. Valentine's Day is a pain for some people. In Japan and in Korea, all women are pretty much expected to give chocolates to all the men in their place of work. Valentine's Day. It's become a huge business. Today's news says that Valentine's Day brings in, for chocolates alone, more than $400 million in Japan. And the women are fed up, by the way. Of course, there is another day that they've started called White Day. And that's the day a month later when the men are supposed to give the women chocolate. But guess what? <laughs> the men only give it to the women they love. Now, in Korea, there's a third day, another month later, April 14, and it's called Black Day. That's when all the men who didn't get Valentine's gifts get together and they enjoy eating Chinese-style noodles with black sauce. Interesting. By the way, I can understand why some people call this Singles Awareness Day. And if you notice what the acronym is, S-A what? S-A-D. <laughs> okay. Sad. That's what it's called by some people. You know, I check to see what are the origins of Valentine's Day, and it depends on what source you go to, you might find different things. But <clears throat> I thought I would share with you today a very, very special story by way of introducing myself to you so you can get to know me a little better. I'm hoping to meet more of you. I ha I've had that privilege already. But before I share a personal testimony, let's just pause for a moment more in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Bless us as I share my testimony of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. I arrived in the United States at the age of 25, I came from the Republic of South Africa. And when I got here, I was triple S. I wonder if anybody knows what that is. Triple S, single and seriously searching. <laughs> and I'm not talking about for knowledge. I came here to do a master's degree at Andrews University. But I was single and seriously searching, looking for a partner. And it wasn't long before I met a young lady who had newly accepted the Adventist faith, and she was on fire. She was just, uh, just, you know how, what happens with people who they just gotten to know Jesus in a personal, deep way? And that was Sue. She loved the Lord. By the way, she was a lifeguard at the swimming pool, and my interest, back then I was a runner, suddenly my interest switched to swimming, and I was in, at, at the pool frequently. Uh, no, guys, I didn't act as though I was drowning. I was at least honest, okay. <laughs> and uh, as time went on, because Sue loved the Lord so much, she signed up to go to South Korea as a student missionary. And for some unexplained reason, I was filled with missionary zeal. And I went over to the office of the campus ministries. You know what I mean by missionary zeal in quotes, okay. I went there to Pastor Dameron. They used to call him Uncle Chet. I said, Uncle Chet, I would like to be a missionary. That's the way I said it, I believe. And he said, Ron, this was true back then. Things have changed since then. Back then, South Koreans wanted to learn American conversational English. So he turned to me and he said, can you speak American conversational English? I believe I said, yes, sir. And he looked at me and he said, I want you to pronounce one word. I'm going to spell it for you. B as in boy, E, E, N as in Nancy. And I shot back, oh, that's bean. 
And that's the way the Canadians say it, that's the way the British say it, that's the way the South Africans say it, and Uncle Chet turned to me and said, Ron, I'm sorry. In the United States, that's been, as in B-I-N, I've been there. And I'd been in the United States for about a year, and I still didn't know how to pronounce B-E-E-N. And in Michigan, they pronounce it Ben, as in the name. I've been there. And he turned to me, he said, I'm sorry, Ron, you couldn't, you cannot go. You know, that was one word. You remember there's a story in the Bible, Judges chapter 12, of these uh, Gileadites and the Ephraimites were trying to get across the river, the Jordan River, I believe it was, and they stopped them and they said, pronounce this word, Shibboleth. And they couldn't pronounce their SHs. And more than 40,000 men died. They lost their life because they couldn't pronounce one word. I felt I'd lost my wife because I couldn't pronounce B-E-E-N. Oh, but, but, there's a verse in the Bible that I'm applying here. It says, uh, he who endures to the end shall be saved, right? I kept at it. I went back to the office and they accepted me and I was overjoyed. I began to raise funds and now I was going to go to Korea as a student missionary actually to pursue Sue, per se. That's why I was really going. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything wrong in being a student missionary? Ah, what was wrong? Motives, <laughs> reason, my heart. You're absolutely right. By the way, it's an important lesson I learned through this experience. Because, you know, when I was growing up, one of the things I somehow imbibed or picked up, I don't know where it was, but it went this way. If your heart's not in it, then don't do it. Wow. But when I opened my Bible and I read James chapter 4, verse 17, I found a very interesting passage that says this. Listen to James chapter 4, verse 17, quickly here. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is what? It is sin. It doesn't say anything about motives. It doesn't say anything about the heart. The reason it says, if you know it's right, do it. Wow. And I had to begin to think about that as I've been reflecting over time. Because, you see, here's the problem, and I want to be practical. You know, you're here at Loma Linda University, many of you. Sometimes there are rules and regulations that you're not comfortable with. Your heart's not in it, so don't do it. Or you're driving down the 10, and uh, you hate the speed limit, right? <clears throat> but guess what, folks? If you know it's the right thing to do, do it, and ask God to change your heart. Very important lesson I learned through this experience. If you know what's right, do it and then just uh, let the Lord change. Because our hearts, Jeremiah says, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. So well, I decided I'm going to try to go even though I was going with the wrong motives. But you see, around the same time, while Sue was getting ready to go and I was raising funds to go, around the same time, another young man arrived. He came to work with me. We were both working for campus safety back then. He was in the seminary. He was a year older than I. And he, too, was triple S. Single and seriously searching. So one of the first questions that Tom asked me when he saw me was, when we became acquainted, he turned to me and said, Ron, <clears throat> listen, man, I'm in the seminary now. And I need to find a life partner. Do you know of any really nice, committed, Seventh-day Adventist young women? Now please note, I wasn't dating Sue, I was pursuing Sue, remember that? And I knew she was going to Korea and I said, I have to be there too to really and try to get her to see the light. 
And so when Tom asked me that question, I'll be honest, I just bubbled over and told him all about Sue. And I, <laughs> yeah, I told him with so much enthusiasm, he listened and he listened, and he decided to go and check it out for himself. Now let me ask you the question. If you are a committed Christian, and somebody asks you about uh, who, what, who is the most important person in your life? Who do you love the most? What are you going to do? Are you going to keep quiet? Or are you going to tell them all about Jesus? Hmm, you see what I'm saying? So here I was, I told Tom, and I told him perhaps too enthusiastically. But he went, he checked it out, he found out I was right. And Tom, my workmate, too, began to pursue Sue. Make a long story short, believe it or not, Tom and Sue began dating. And of all things, suddenly Sue's missionary zeal began to abate. And she canceled her call to go to South Korea. And I was really in a bind now. Because you see, if only I hadn't gone back to that campus ministry's office the second time to beg them to go as a student missionary. If only I had just kept my mouth shut. But now what do I do? Do I go back and say, hey, listen, I changed my mind too? It would have been too obvious. I'll be honest. I decided I was too embarrassed. You know, sometimes it's interesting the way the Lord works through our lives. I was too embarrassed to go back to that office the third time and to confess and say, well, I don't want to go because, you know, Sue is not going to go, so I'm not going. I just decided I'm going to go anyway. So I went to South Korea to pursue Sue who wasn't going there. Reminded me of that uh, guy by the name of Jonah. You've heard of him. <laughs> the reluctant missionary. How God sent that huge fish to swallow him up, to take him to where he needed to be. And so I went anyway. It was the right thing to do. You all told me that, right? Going as a student missionary was right. The problem was my heart. And I, as I look back on the story, I say, wow, God did change my heart. And I thank him for that. Because when I went to Korea, make a just going to jump ahead in time quickly, I actually ended up spending four years there, service in the Far East. The Lord changed my heart. God can do that for you. Okay? He will do that for you. If you know it's right, do it and allow him to come in and change your heart. Let's go back. I jumped ahead a few years there. Six weeks after I arrived... I heard that another student missionary was arriving, a friend of mine from Andrews University, plus a young lady that I, had not, I didn't know who she was. It was October 4 when they arrived. And I remember going to the lady's house. I wasn't looking for this new student missionary, I'll be honest. I didn't know who she was. But I went there and I knocked on the door. And she opened the door. It was a heart-stopping moment. <laughs> to this day, I cannot explain it, but the moment I saw her, through my mind flashed, you know, sometimes when you're in an accident, they say that your, your life flashes before you. 
that's your life of the past. <laughs> but when she opened the door, it seemed like my life of the future might have flashed before me. Because the first thing that went through my mind the moment I saw that new student missionary was this. This is the woman I want to marry. Weird. Love at first sight. No, 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 don't get it wrong. It was recognition of potential at initial observation. <laughs> I heard an amen back there. <laughs> because you folk know, love grows, correct? Isn't that true? Love grows, it takes time. You see potential, you see things, and I believe I recognize that the problem was it took her several months for her to realize what God wanted for her. <laughs> Some of us are slow learners, okay? <laughs> but uh, fortunately, by the time she arrived, as I said, she came six weeks after I got there, by the time she had arrived, I had been made the uh, student director of that school in Seoul, Right there at We Sang Young One. And so guess what I did? Now, I'm not saying everything I did was right. This was a little bit clever or conniving, somebody might say. Because I was the director, I scheduled her in the class right next to me. I made sure that she was free when I was free. And I found all kinds of ways because I was her boss. <laughs> and she didn't have much choice. She spent a lot of time with me. And I was overjoyed and she wasn't. <laughs> but you know, folks, love grows. And I thank God as we did things together, sometimes she would play the piano, I would lead the song service. One or two occasions she actually told a story and I played the guitar for, special, for music and so forth. We worked together as we worked together because we both loved the Lord. That's why we were in South Korea, student missionaries. We loved the Lord. And as we worked together, as we got to know each other, over time our appreciation of each other grew. And that recognition of potential at initial observation was correct. We found out that we both had so many interests in common. How many people collect postcards? Well, I was a postcard collector and she was. We both loved traveling. And as we got to the end of our first year or so of mission service, I said, hey, Linda, I love traveling. You love traveling. And it really doesn't look good for two single people to go traveling. <laughs> I, I enjoy your friendship. I would like to suggest that we be friends forever. And that was my proposal. And Linda turned to me and she said one word, ditto. That was it. And so we got married. And uh, that was several years ago. And the Lord led. And as I look back at that experience, there's a lot more I can share. But as I look back, it makes me think of Psalm 84, verse 11. Because as I go back in my own experience, Psalm 84 verse 11 comes to mind. And even though I went there with the wrong motive, wrong desire, listen to this. Psalm 84 verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. So He warms up us, He protects us. Alright? The next phrase, the Lord will give grace and glory. Now here's the phrase I love, the last part of the verse. No good, by the way, the word thing you will see in your Bibles is an italics. No good, and the, they add the word thing, will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And I just say, thank God. I went there with the wrong motive. I went anyway. I found the woman who is currently still my valentine. 
She just called me this morning and left a message on my cell phone. But you know, it's interesting the way the Lord leads. I've got to tell you a little bit more about Tom and Sue before I forget that part of the story. Because (laughs) some of you are wondering what happened to them. I know the curious among you always, what happened to Tom and Sue? Well, while I was in Korea, they got married. But we remained in touch, Tom and I and Sue, because I knew them both. And believe it or not, folks, when Linda and I landed in Washington, D.C. on our honeymoon, Guess who met us at the airport? Tom and Sue, you're right. Guess where we slept that night? Over at Tom and Sue's place. Why do I say that's important? Well, I tell you why. Sometimes it's very sad what we see. I'm sure some of you have seen it. Maybe some of you have even experienced this. You see young people walking around arm in arm or hand in hand, uh, hugging each other one day and the next day, you see the guy alone eating lunch. Nobody with him. And you say, hey, where is, um, let's say, Jenny? And he says, oh, I can't stand her guts. But I thought I saw you guys walking down, down the sidewalk yesterday, hand in hand and chatting. Yeah, but you don't know what she did to me. And, and young people go from dating to hating overnight. Unfortunately, that's the wrong way to go. Of course, the opposite danger is equally bad, and that is to go from dating to mating overnights. Okay? So one of the things I want to caution you, be careful. The best way is to go from dating through communicating, through debating, through congratulating, through waiting for the wedding, and then consummating and procreating. Okay, I heard one amen. I was expecting more amens to that, but that's okay. Yeah, is that God's way? Yes, in case you don't believe it, just last year in July, there was a study that was done and was on NBC on the Today Show in the morning. And I was very interested. Wow, NBC even brought this up. I wrote it down. I had to. I couldn't believe what they were talking about. I'm going to actually show a couple of uh, uh, overheads, a power... PowerPoint information tonight, but NBC had this. Since 1960, there has been a ten times, ten times increase in people living together. This is the last year's figures. Five million Americans now live together outside of marriage. And by the way, don't think it's just young people. I happen to be a member of the AARP. For those of you who know what that stands eh, for. AARP, yes, once you hit the big 5-0, you can join the AARP. So I'm dating myself right now. But the AARP had something that pointed out that more than a quarter of a million of people 65 and over live together, cohabit just like the rest of these other four and three-quarter million. That was, the, that was the information. But they went further. They did the study, and this is what they concluded. People who sleep together before marriage are more likely to break up after they get married. That was on public television. Let me give you some more here. Of the couples, if the couples both have kids, maybe they're divorced, then they sleep together, the breakup is two times those who do not sleep together before marriage. That was last year's information. Interesting. On NBC. God's information from Scripture is the best, young people. There's no, no way we can deny that. Even statistics prove 
God's way is the best way. That's why I wanted to tell you about Tom and Sue, and I want to share with you that I praise God that I, we were able to remain friends instead of going from dating to hating. God has been good. God has blessed in our lives. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Let me read that to you. I want to read it to you from the New International Version because it says it so beautifully, Jeremiah 29, showing how God looks out for us and cares for us. Notice what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you future, a hope, to give you hope and a future. God is really wanting the best for us. He's not a killjoy, not a wet blanket. God wants the best for us. And as I look back at my own life, I'm saying, wow, God has been so, so very good. Now, I need to backtrack just a little bit more because, you know, this idea of dating and hating. I, I was dating a young lady years before when I was in high school. And uh, as I think back on that, we were academy students and uh, she was... Uh, she was, I think, a couple of years younger than I. We became friends and started dating. Six months later, another guy arrived on campus who had a car, who had a job. Guess what happened? She dumped me like a hot potato. And what was worse was she was considered by all the guys as the prize, you know. And I was walking around strutting my stuff because I was dating this young lady. And here this other guy came along and he just zapped her away from me. And then I was... a 12th grade student, my last year of high school. I thank the Lord for an insight that I want to share with you on this issue of dating and relating. Because as I thought about it, I asked myself the first question that the Lord gave me. He said, Ron, did you love Eileen, was her name. And I said, oh yes. I definitely did. Question two. Is Eileen happier with Mike that was his name. Then she was with you. Ooh, tough question, Lord. Yes, Lord, she is happier with Mike. Question number three, Ron. If Eileen is happier with Mike than she is with you, and if you really loved her, then you should be happy for her. And for the first time as a young man, I came to the realization... That genuine love is total concern for the other person's happiness. You agree with that? That's it. A very important lesson I learned. Of course, Eileen had dumped me like a hot potato, and so she didn't even want to talk with me. She was embarrassed or whatever. I stopped her one day on the sidewalk. I said, hey, just because we're dating doesn't mean we don't have to be friends. And you know, something strange happened. Something very strange. She accepted my argument. She became a friend of mine. She could confide in me what she wouldn't even tell her close girlfriends after that. We became such good friends. And of course, when Linda and I got married, we went to South Africa. I wanted to go and introduce her to my friends and my family over there. My parents were able to fly to the wedding because we got married in South Korea, by the way. Still has precious memories South Korea does for us. So we flew to South Africa, and guess where Linda and I had lunch on Sabbath at Mike and Eileen's place. 30 years, well, let's see, that was about 
10 years down the road. And whenever we get back, we go and visit with them. They're friends. I thank the Lord for that. Friends to this day. There are important lessons we can learn as we interrelate. I know there are a lot of young people here. Let me just see. Don't be afraid. Come on. Raise your hands. If you are, I'm not asking triple S, single and seriously searching. I'm only asking if you are at this point in your life single, no matter your age. Raise your hand. I'd like to see the hands. Anybody who is not married, raise them high. Come on, don't be afraid, guys and gals. Come on, let's see. Okay, maybe a third to a half of you. Okay. And I thought I would share with you what I call my Valentine's message. The title of my sermon, my message today was Virtuous Valentine, the Love of Your Life. In fact, if you ever find my phone and you don't know whose it is and you turn it on and you look at it and you go through the, <clears throat> the contacts, there's one contact that says the palace. That's the name for my home. So if you dial the palace, you'll get me at home. Why? Because God has been teaching me to treat my wife like a queen. And you know what's interesting? Amazing! Things are going better and better. The more I treat my wife like a queen, the more God blesses us. And, and guys, I'll tell you, there are certain things I hate doing. For example, doing the dishes. That's not one of the things I love. But guess what? Guess who does most of the dishes at home now? I do. Not because I love the dishes, but because I love Linda. Okay? Fascinating things happen. As you get to love someone, you start to change. You know, I want to switch now to the real virtuous Valentine because I thought I would share my story as a kind of a modern day little bit of a parable, the way the Lord leads us in our lives. The real virtuous Valentine. I want to read you just a few verses. Therefore, this is from Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now to verse 5. Here's the key. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has who was given to us. I love the way the New Living Translation puts part of this verse. It says this. Listen. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God has filled us with His love, which is why we're sharing these messages. And then to verse 8, a very well-known passage, but God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what I call this? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's kind of a love at first sight. You get what I'm saying? Because why? Jesus saw what I call recognition of potential in us. Potential for Him to save us. And by the way, in a certain sense, Linda did save me. She rescued me from living a sad, single lifestyle. Yes. And I thank God for that. She rescued me from that. You know, when I, when I think about what God does for us and how He loves us, the idea of the, the Memory of what God did for ancient Israel comes back. In fact, as you read the Bible, and, and, and one thing I want to challenge you, we're going to talk about that in our next message on the Scriptures. 
uh, communicating in code the secret of the scrolls. And I challenge you to come tomorrow. In, I'll share with you some stuff that you might never have seen or known. But what the Lord wants for us is to walk with Him daily in the reading of the Bible. And as I'm reading the Bible, I'm being reminded of things. And one of the things that comes out is obviously the way God dealt with His people in ancient Israel. You remember, He rescued them from slavery, right? Pull them out. Then he made a covenant with them. And if you look at your Bibles, you'll notice in Exodus chapter 24, it says the Israelites agreed with a covenant, Exodus 24. And then after they agree with a covenant, and a covenant, reminding you now of Linda and I got married, and once we got married, she wooed me, rescued me from single slavery. She made the, we made the covenant. And after we made the covenant, guess what we did? We moved into a house and lived together. And in the Bible, it's interesting. God saved the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. Then He makes the covenant with them. And after He makes the covenant comes Exodus 25, verse 8, in which God specifically says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. See, God wants to live with His people, and so that's where this whole sanctuary comes from. God's choice, God's desire to have a visible place where He can live with His people. We're going to talk a little bit throughout the series about the sanctuary. But I wanted you to realize that once you have a covenant commitment, you want to live together because you want to cement that relationship. And my wife and I, we've been married now more than 25 years. And it all started because I did the right thing even though I did it with the wrong motives. And the Lord changed my heart. So when I look back, this is God's desire to live among His people. If there's one line I'd like you to leave with today, it's the simple nine or ten word phrase that I would like to challenge every one of you to incorporate. It says simply, Let the Lord be the love of your life. Can you say that with me? Let the Lord be the love of your life. One more time. Let the Lord be the love of your life. God loves you. God loves me. Let me tell you how, how much. The Apostle Paul puts, puts it this way in chapter 8 of Romans 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You believe that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Let the Lord be the what? Love of your life. Let me share with you a story as we close here. It happened in New York, 1999. A 33-year-old woman, her name was Diana Abad, A-B-A-D, went in for a medical checkup. Bad news. You have leukemia diagnosis. The prognosis, they told her, the doctor said, sorry, Diana, You've got nine months to live. That's all. She went and checked with the National Don, um, Marrow uh, Donor Registry, put her name on the list, uh, hoping to get a transplant. In February, six years ago, February 2000, they told her of the four million people on the National 
marrow donor program registry, of the four million, there was only one match. And he hadn't yet agreed to donate his marrow. They approached him, and the anonymous donor decided, okay, he would do that. And so the following month, in March 2000, uh, in the year 2000, Diana was taken into the hospital. The marrow transplant took place. And thankfully, it took. Diana was overjoyed. She had new life because of this new blood that was circulating. And she, she wrote a letter through the registry because she didn't know who it was. Here are her words. She wrote, You don't know the joy I am experiencing. I hope that one day we can meet and I can thank you in person. It took a while and they, several months later, the donor replied. He turned out to be a young man by the name of David Mason, 34 years of age. He wrote back, contacted her, and slowly but surely they began to talk on the telephone. And one day, unexpectedly, suddenly, when the doorbell rang, Diana opened the door. Guess who stood there? It was David Mason. And Diana says, it was love at Sight. And you guys know better now, right? It wasn't that, right? What was it? Recognition of potential at initial observation. She looked at David. Now, let me ask you the question. If someone was willing to donate his bone marrow, the only one out of four million, and because of that, you are alive, wouldn't you also fall in love with him immediately? <laughs> That's right. So she said, I recognize it. Of course, he didn't. It took months. They began a long uh, term and a long distance relationship. He went back home. They kept in touch. And in December 2004, almost, what, three, four years later, David Mason proposed to Diana Abad. And guess what, folks? Obviously, what do you think she said? Yes. They got married. An incredible story. As I think of that story, it makes me think of what happened to me and to you as well. Because in a sense, all of us suffer from what I would like to call the spiritual leukemia, the cancer of sin. And amongst all the possibilities, millions, there was only one match. Only one whose blood could give us life. And who was that? Ironically, the son of David, the Bible calls him. His name is Jesus Christ. And if we accept that bone marrow, only then can we have this new blood coursing through our veins. And of course, the question to you and to me is, if he shows up unexpectedly at our door, would we begin to make a friendship with him? And if he asks to have a continual, permanent marriage relationship with us, and he says to you, would you marry me spiritually? The question to you, the question to me is, are you, am I, going to say yes to the Son of David, Jesus Christ? Pray with me right now. Lord, thank you, thank you for Jesus, the Son of David who was willing to come and shed His blood so that we can have new life. For without Jesus, Father, we know we would die.
We would have a death sentence hanging over us as Diana Abad did. But Lord, we pray that just as Diana responded, instantly falling in love with the one who had saved her life, I pray that we too may fall in love with you, that we may grow in love, and that we too, when you ask us, when you show up, that we will accept your invitation to form a long-term covenant relationship so that we can live together for eternity. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, the Son of David. Amen. God bless you folks. Have a good day. Hope to see you tomorrow here. Bring a friend.